0: Alrighty, let's just jump into it before I get too awkward again. Wait, you've gotta be kidding me. Let's get this untwisted. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, everyone. (laughs) What did I just say? Hello. Welcome back to The Twisty Pod. Thank you so much for tuning in. This is a wonderful, wonderful special episode. This is my second ever guest that I'm having on The Twisty Pod, my dearest friend, Amanda Wan. I was lucky enough to go on Amanda's podcast a few weeks back. It's called the Behind the Girl Boss Podcast. A lot of you may be familiar with it. She brings on incredible guests from Miss Remy Ashton to Natalie Barbu. It's an absolutely fabulous podcast, highly recommend giving it a listen. But Amanda is just an incredible friend of mine that I was able to connect with through podcasting and YouTube in general. And she just absolutely conquers life. In my opinion, she is a wonderful Canadian creator and you're going to hear all about all of her entrepreneurial. God, that's, uh you know, there are just some words in the English language that I will never be able to say. Entrepreneurial is one of them. I didn't even say it right again. Amanda has a lot of different business ventures, we'll put it that way. I'm so excited for you to hear all about it. She's a wonderful, productive woman, and she's an incredible story. I hope that you enjoy. Let's get into the episode. All right, everyone, we have Miss Amanda Wan on the podcast today. Amanda, how are you doing? I'm doing good. How are you? I'm doing fabulous. I'm a little bit nervous to speak with you because you're the queen of interviews. You're so knowledgeable. You're so cool. And I'm so flattered that you agreed to come speak on the twisty pod today. So thank you so much for your time. For anybody who might not know who you are, would you mind just kind of describing what you do, what you want to introduce yourself as to all the twisty pod listeners?
1: Yeah, for sure. So my name is Amanda. I'm a 22 year old content creator from Montreal, Canada. Um, I go to school full-time at Concordia University studying communication studies. Um, I do YouTube, Instagram. I have a podcast. And I own two small businesses on the side. And I do video editing and podcast editing
0: on the side. So I guess that sums me up a little bit. <laughs> a little bit. I remember when I first kind of heard your blurb, because you'll say something like that on your podcast as well. Mm-hmm. behind yeah. the Girl Boss podcast. And my jaw was just on the floor <laughs> because I... I'm just so impressed by how many things you manage and you manage them so well. You're not putting half of your effort into five different activities. Like you are just the queen of multitasking and I just need to pick your brain on it because I find it so fascinating. But I think that was something that was really intriguing for me as an outsider drawn to your Instagram, drawn to your YouTube. You just have a very, uh, entrepreneurial spirit to you that I think is really infectious. And it's very inspiring, especially for people that might want to start a business themselves, might want to start a YouTube channel and whatnot. So what do you think was kind of like your main inspiration for starting so many different projects? I,
1: it's kind of hard to pinpoint it, but like growing up, growing up as if I'm old, but like when I was like 13, 14, I was like, I want to work for myself. Like I don't want to work for someone else. And obviously right now I'm working for other people because just because life, sure. but of um, yeah, I've always just wanted to like work for myself, be my own boss. And I think that's really like driving me to creating my own things. Cause you never know one day, one thing can pop off and like, that'll be it for you. So I think totally. that, and also I just have like so much creative vibes in me that Think this was like the best way to get them out, if
0: that makes sense. Your first creative avenue was that your YouTube platform?
1: um Yeah, yeah, it was. Because you've been on YouTube for five years. So, yeah, like I've been on YouTube. So, I had another channel before I had this channel, and I had that one in high school when I was like 14, 15. I started that. Oh my goodness. And obviously, high school, I went to an all girls school. The, oh, people cool. found it, <laughs> the people found it at school. Then they started making fun of my videos and like memorizing lines from them and like repeating it, like mocking me. So I stopped my channel and I deleted it. (laughs) And um, then I restarted when I was like 18.
0: Oh my Lord. I'm so
1: sorry. That's horrible. Yeah. I mean, I feel like going to an all-girls school, there was a lot of drama. And when there wasn't certain drama, people would try and go find it. So
0: I ended up being the drama for a little while. Well, good for you for being able to handle that so maturely and then also not let the hater stop you from doing your thing for lack Mm -hmm. of a better term, like just getting back up and starting your other channel. I mean, obviously, you know, going through the high school experience was not enjoyable, but what made you get up again and then start your new channel a few years later?
1: I've always like loved making videos like even when I was like five and six like I would take like my dad's old I don't even know what they're called like camcorder is that what it's called like those (laughs) old cameras that were like that I would like film yes I would film my brother and I like doing the most random things and like I always like loved filming things and then when high school like hit around I would edit a lot and stuff and Mm -hmm. I didn't have my channel for like two years and I wasn't doing anything anymore I wasn't filming I wasn't editing or anything and like I don't know. I felt like it became like a part of me totally. throughout like my whole life. And I was like, I miss that. So I was like, you know what? Like I don't give a shit what like anyone thinks about me anymore. I don't care what people say. So then I just restarted it and everyone was a lot more positive. I think it's also like the friend group that I surrounded myself with was more totally. supportive and everything. So
0: I don't know. I just, it became part of me and I wanted that back. And what was the content that you first created and where has your yeah. channel gone since then?
1: Um, so my content for my first channel was, um, maybe this is why people made fun of me. Um, it was like, no, never kind of like music, <laughs> like, you know, like, um, back then when people would do like those music videos. Totally. Yes. yes. So I did that. I did some Justin Bieber fangirl content, and then I did some like lifestyle stuff. So that's what I started off with. And then when I restarted my new channel, so the one that I started five years ago, The content that I made was kind of more like trying to be relatable and trying to be someone I wasn't like I would make like me dancing on Omega don't know why I would do that. (laughs) Then I would do, like, scripts. Like, I would make scripts and, like, act that out. And I hated that. But I was, like, at that time, I was, like, oh, this is what people would like. Totally. I started off with skits and stuff. Then I started moving into, like, um, doing, like, LGBT videos. And then I went to mental health videos. And now I'm doing, like, lifestyle college
0: with a mix of, like, mental health and that, too. I mean, you've really come into your own then like sharing things that are a lot more vulnerable, a lot more honest going Mm -hmm. from the, what people might want to see acting out this script, going to more like the mental health lifestyle, LGBTQ plus era. That's really, really cool. So what content would you say is your absolute favorite? Like the one that you're most passionate about creating that keeps you coming back to making videos?
1: I like vlogging a lot, which is something that I didn't think I would like. Um, but I really enjoy that just because it's more like Um, totally word like formatted I don't know like it's less like sit down like say everything in five ten minutes and like that like I feel like it's more personable and like I can actually bring people in my life since it's like usually like day in my life or like week in my life stuff um so yeah I really enjoy vlogs and I also do enjoy like doing entrepreneur videos so like I've done only a few of them so far, but they were really fun to do. Like, for example, how to start a
0: YouTube channel or how to, how to start right. a podcast. Like those are fun to make also. Yeah, I totally understand what you're saying. I feel like it's like a little bit of a catch 22 because sometimes getting a full video done in one sitting is so nice because it's just done mm-hmm. in 45 minutes. But then at the same time, it's a little bit more fun to vlog your whole entire day, but it takes eight, 12 hours, you know, versus just sitting down and, you know, knocking it out. But that was something I really wanted to ask you about was that I feel like a lot of your content is based around helping other people, even if it's just, you know, follow me along on a productive day in my life, be that you're just planning with you, or maybe you're just showing ins and outs of your business. So what was kind of like your main motivation for wanting to maybe put out content that's inspiring to others in a very helpful way?
1: Yeah. Like when I started my channel, I always said like, I wanted to either touch or inspire and motivate one person, just one person. Mm-hmm. So I feel like that's where like that type of content comes from. I don't want to sound like a lot of people ask me this, but a lot of people <laughs> do ask me like how to, you say how to do this, <laughs> like how to do this and how to do that. So I was like, if I have a video on my channel, if someone asked me that I can literally just send them that and totally. it'll be like step-by-step step for them. And it's so much easier. And it's still like technically me telling them my thoughts. And because when I was starting all my things, when I was starting my YouTube channel, my podcast and everything, I tried to like go on YouTube and find things and there wasn't that many videos on how to do these things. Now there is more, but I think that I kind of created content that I wanted to find when I was starting out.
0: I mean, that's the perfect way to do it too. And I love that your videos because you do do a lot of like, you know, come along with me on my productive day Mm -hmm. or like a day of my life, et cetera. They're so well-made and they're so aesthetically pleasing, but not in a way that, how do you phrase this? Like, it doesn't make you feel bad about yourself because you're so relatable. You know, sometimes you'll see like these perfect bullet journals and it's the most beautiful thing in the world. And you're like, I'm never going to be that person, Mm -hmm. but you show people how to be maybe a very organized person or you're going to follow your dreams in this respect but doing it in a way that feels a lot more achievable and less intimidating maybe is the right way to phrase it thank you well yeah
1: like um I don't know if you watch Alicia Maria a lot but she was also talking about how a lot of her older content was very like overproduced and like big productions and it was so hard to like maintain and people wouldn't find her relatable because as much as I loved watching that I couldn't relate to that in any way and I feel like now her videos are more like laid back and less like overproduced that it has become relatable. Totally, Obviously I don't live in a big house like her and like have the type of money she has, but like her content has become like more relatable. And I love that.
0: Yeah. I mean, she used to do produced sets, Mm -hmm. full on, probably scripted, you know, on Twitter, I saw that she privated all of her old videos. Did you see that?
1: Yeah. Yeah. She private all of them, but she did like a video reacting to some of them and I watched that video and some of them were so cringy and like, she literally was cringe herself because like at 24 years old, she was still making like back to school, like high school videos. And totally, I feel like, because like she put herself in that position, it's like hard to kind of get
0: out of it. That's a very strong and like bold move as a creator too, because if you even look at that, like strictly from a financial perspective, those videos have millions, millions and millions of views. So sure, maybe they're not appealing to her current audience, but what if let's say a seventh grader, maybe her ideal yes. audience found it right now. They're probably going to like it and still watch it. So she's choosing to move forward with her career mm-hmm. in a way that reflects more of her personality rather than making her point. Yeah. I feel like that's pretty cool. Yeah. It makes you
1: like appreciate it her more totally. Like, you realize that she wants to make content.
0: She wants rather than making content that will make her more money. Absolutely. Okay. So I also wanted to ask you a few questions about your videos on your sexuality. You have I would say Mm -hmm. like a full playlist of different videos talking about how to come out to your friends, how to come out to your family, tips for your viewers, sharing your own personal experience. And first and foremost, like just applauding you for producing that kind of content. And this is five years ago, three years ago or Mm -hmm. so. And that's a very emboldened thing to do at such a young age. So props to you for using your platform in such a fabulous way. I just am so, of course, I just would love to hear like, First, like why you were called to share your story, and then also just how you've been able to maybe connect with people or like how your advice has been impactful for your followers, your subscribers.
1: Yeah. So I knew that I was like bi since I was like 12, 13, um, but I never wanted to say it to anyone. I was just like really scared about like what my family would think, what my friends would think, like everything. And then One day I randomly just came out and then after I came out to my parents, I ran to my room and I cried. And then after I was like, let me let me film a video so like everyone can know now. Um, so literally the same day that I posted and like edited and filmed that video was the same day that I came out to everyone around me. You're kidding. Um, Yeah. So I just like I was like, if I'm gonna do it to my parents and like my friends, I'm just gonna do it for everyone. So I did that and I was like, I just wanted to be out there because I've been like holding it in myself for like four or five years and I was like just course. needs to be out there of course um, so obviously it was scary to like share something like that because I feel like nowadays more people are open about it but mm-hmm. even if it was like three four years ago it was still like something that was kind of like more taboo than it is now and like people didn't talk about that mm. and that's kind of like why I wanted to like make those type of videos because I feel like when I was younger and I would like search on YouTube like being bisexual or something like that all the videos that I would see were like being bisexual is bad something with like religion you're going to hell all these things so that's all that I would see and I was like that's not okay I wanted people that were like younger to be able to like go on YouTube and find those things and like have like a good perspective to it although YouTube has like demonetized all those videos and put like an age block on them what um, yeah so a lot of my LGBT videos are like 16 plus because people under 16 shouldn't see that content according to youtube so that's something um that (laughs) is crazy bullshit yeah it's crazy and i was like it doesn't make sense to me because i don't know how the younger people are watching it i don't know if they lied about their age or stuff but like a lot of the comments to answer the second part of the question a lot of the comments under my videos are like people saying how they're like 12 13 years old and like my videos have helped them like realize who they are and like have helped them like come out to their friends or parents and like some of them like literally write like I'm coming out to my parents tonight and then like I answer, then I'm like oh like let me know how it goes and they tell me how it goes so it's so much fun to like be able to see that (laughs) yeah it's so much fun to be able to see that because I don't know who they are I probably will never know who they are but like the fact that they went on YouTube and they found my video and that like helped them is really fun but then again YouTube like I don't know they have to fix something with that because a lot of the videos are like I don't even care about making money off the videos Even though they're like, they're my most like viewed videos, whatever, I don't care. But the fact that like they put an age restriction on them is like, it blows my mind. How recently did that happen? That changed? Um, literally since every video I posted, it would take like a week and then they would age restrict it and demonetize it. So it's been happening
0: for like years. That is so bad on so many Mm -hmm. levels. Yes. And you're right. I'm sure there's some kids that like use their parents account or maybe go on incognito or something, but- that that's so wrong sexuality is not a taboo subject it's yeah. something that people should be speaking about at all ages but I mean to blatantly have like a guideline in their terms and conditions or something mm-hmm. I, I mean I kind of want to like fight that like how can we go yeah. against it? like there's like such
1: a big like um like a lot of like the LGBT YouTubers the ones that like their channel is mainly on that and make like no money even though again really? like money's not the only thing but as someone who's tr- like if they have like a million subscribers and they're making like nothing, even though they're about val- like their content is valuable and stuff, just because YouTube doesn't think that everyone should watch these things is crazy. Cause like, I feel like if you're
0: old enough to know what it is and to search it up, you're old enough to learn about it. Exactly. And clearly from your experience, it seems like it's been such an incredible resource for so many people. Mm-hmm. Like you said, people that you might not ever meet in person, but you've been able to help maybe in some really small or really, really big way. And Mm -hmm. at the end of the day, obviously that seems like a very empowering thing and the, the bigger like silver lining, but of course there's a lot of underlying problems to be tackling at the same time. I would love if you had like any sort of piece of advice, just if anybody is listening to this now to share with somebody who might be struggling with their sexual identity, or maybe they need a bit of encouragement to come out to their family their friends yeah
1: no um I would say to that like you know yourself best and don't let other people's like opinions try and like make you think that you're someone that you're not um and if you need like that extra encouragement I would just say after I came out I felt like so much more relieved and such like weight off my shoulders because now I wasn't lying to anyone and I wasn't lying to myself But I do want to say that um, to only come out to your parents, though, if you do feel like it's a safe environment, because I know a lot of people don't have a safe environment at home. And I'm lucky that um, even though my parents weren't, um, they weren't as accepting at the beginning, but I think it's just because they didn't really know anything about it. And they were kind of thrown off. But like, my parents still accepted me and everything. But I know a lot of kids are like thrown out of their houses and stuff. So I would encourage everyone to come out, but only if they are like in a safe environment to do so.
0: Thank you so much for sharing that. I mean, I'm, yeah. I don't know how helpful that can be. Also, I just want to, I don't know how we haven't mentioned this yet, but you're from Canada. Well, you yes. did say that you're from Montreal, but mm-hmm. I love everything Canadian. I <laughs> wish I was in Montreal with you. <laughs> do you speak French yourself?
1: Yeah, I do. It's my second language. Yeah. Is that very common for people that live in Montreal? Yeah, because like in elementary school, I would have like five English classes and then like two French classes. So like since like wow. I was five, like we had been learning French,
0: yeah. Um, how do you think that being a Canadian YouTuber is not only super cool, but also like a very unique part of being a content creator in and of itself?
1: Yeah, Um. I think especially like for like college um, YouTubers, there's like not many Canadians at all, like if you literally search up like college youtubers, you will find every single college in the states, and then after that will come like Concordia University and like McMaster. I don't even know what they are, but like all like the Canadian ones, like there's not a lot of us, which is cool, but yeah, like I don't know, being Canadian, it's cool because like there's not a lot of it on YouTube, but also it's kind of hard for people to find that if they're not going to search for that
0: if you know of what course, I mean. sure, but I mean, I can imagine maybe in in a more positive light you could be a huge resource for a very niche community like people mm-hmm. wanting to learn more about Concordia or even just people in the Montreal region.
1: Yeah, I mean before COVID I wanted to do like a lot more like Montreal videos like restaurants, cafes and all these things. Obviously right now I can't do that, but that's sure. something that I do want to do once things are open and everything's safe to do so. Um so I want to kind of like market on that too because like Montreal, I mean I think Montreal is just Montreal. Cause I've lived here my whole life, but like so many people from like other places in the States and stuff are always talking about like, Oh, Montreal's so pretty. Oh, I want to visit Montreal. Where should I go? Like, and I didn't realize people actually cared about
0: that. So I think it, it's fun. I mean, I care. I would go to Montreal in a heartbeat. I mean, <laughs> granted everything gets healed soon, but you know, you could also do a really great Instagram account for Mar- Montreal. I feel like you would thrive at that. Like Montreal eats or something. I have, um, I have an Instagram that's like, um, Montreal cafe
1: crawl. <laughs> of course um, you do. I started it. Yeah, I started it right before, like a month before COVID. So obviously, <laughs> I don't have a lot of content on it. So I'm like, it's on the back burner right now until things happen. But I go to cafes like all the time, whether it be for like just for fun or I do like a lot of like my school work and like YouTube stuff in cafes when I
0: could. Um, so I'm like always there. So. I have a lot of content for that. That is so cool. I can imagine how great of content you would be producing. I don't know why. I just feel like that would be
1: so your aesthetic. And yes, I'm so excited. I mean, I'm like, I drink so much coffee. Like, maybe it's not healthy for me anymore at this point. But um, yeah, I love cafes. And I feel like every cafe is like so different. And like the aesthetic of it and the decor and everything is just like,
0: I love them. Absolutely. So you said that you do a lot of your work in cafes and whatnot. So mm-hmm. let's talk about some of your, your businesses. Let's start with your candle business, which is one Candles. Mm-hmm. I believe it is called the sense based on moods and seasons. That's your tagline, right? Yeah. It's yes. so stinking cute. So <laughs> when did you get it started and what was the reasoning? Like why candles?
1: Yeah. So I am obsessed with candles. Like I literally in my room right now, I have one going, but I have like over 30 candles from like different companies and stuff. And I just love them. And I feel like um I have like a lot of anxiety sometimes. And for some reason, candles just like make everything just feel better. Totally. And like, it's just like it's such a calming atmosphere. And then my boyfriend is um he has like a fragrance allergy. So he was like, oh, like you should try making like candles without fragrance so that like when we do live together, like we can have candles, but I won't like die. (laughs) And I was like, oh, that's so cool. And then I started making candles and I was like, this is actually fun. And then I would post them on my stories and people were like, oh, when can I buy one? And I was like, buy one. (laughs) And then I was like, I mean, (laughs) I can make something out of this. So I was like, let me do it. And um, yeah, it's been really fun. I kind of like wanted to do the names of it based on like moods and stuff, just because I have no idea what to name stuff. And I'm literally the
0: worst at that. So I thought it would just be easier to do it that way. Totally. No, that's a, I mean, a super smart thing, especially if you're saying that's why you use candles. Like maybe if you're mm-hmm. feeling anxious, you have an anxiety attack, put out, I don't know if you have an anxiety candle, but like, that's a an awesome yeah. idea. And I love that your candles are pressed with flowers. They are so beautiful. And I don't know right. if you have any available in your Etsy shop, but highly recommend anybody just at least looking <laughs> it up. What is your production process like for creating the candle into like shipping and off selling it, etc.? cetera?
1: Yeah. So I did not think it was going to be this like long of a process. I thought it was going to be much easier, but, um, usually what it How it goes is before I launch, I make like about 30 of them and I put them up on the shop. So you take soy wax and then you put fragrance oil in it and you melt the soy wax first. And after you melt it, you have to make sure it reaches a certain temperature. I think it's 180 if I'm not mistaken. Then you put the fragrance oil in that and you mix it together. And then you pour it in the jars that you have. And then I usually let those sit overnight. Mm. And then the next day, sometimes they're obviously, it's not like flat. I would use a heat gun and I make it straight that way. And then I would put the flowers or whatever things I want to put on top. And then I'd melt, like it would like mesh together. And then once people buy it, I kind of package it differently each time. But now I bought like bubble wrap because they're, it's candles it's like fragile and the male people don't know how to handle it sometimes and they just throw it even when you write fragile on it totally so now I'm trying to do it with a bubble wrap and stuff and then shipping is really expensive and that's something that I didn't um really realize until I started my own businesses that shipping is literally disgustingly expensive like for example in Montreal if I'm shipping something from my house to somewhere that's like 30 minutes away, it costs like $12 to $15, which is a lot. It's crazy. I could just drive there myself. Right. Or internationally. Is that crazy expensive too? Internationally is about $17 to $20. Jesus. And like obviously I don't want people to pay that. So I usually for shipping I cut it in half. So then I'll take, say if it's like $15, I'll take like $7.50 out of my own pocket and then make the other person pay $7.50.
0: That's so nice.
1: If <laughs> but if I go on a website and I see like, oh, shipping's twenty dollars, like I don't want to pay that, even if my Thing I'm buying is like 40 dollars like I don't want to pay right. $20 shipping so I feel like t- unless like you're a really big name which I haven't gotten to yet maybe people would like consider paying $20 but for right now as a small business I don't want people to pay that much right um but yeah so usually once I ship it out depending where they live it could take from 2 days to 2 weeks wow depending on where someone lives
0: well I would imagine that if your business continues to grow then you would probably have like your own type of carrier that would do reduced shipping prices, but that is Mm -hmm. absurd because then at that point you're sending a candle at a higher cost than you're selling it. It seems like. Yes. Okay. So you said that you typically make about 30 candles for one typical launch.
1: Yeah. So I'll do it ahead of time. And then after once those sell out, I'll make more just because I feel like making all of them at the same time is just like a lot of work and it stresses me out too much. So I thought this process is easier Cause then I'll have 30 ready. So then no one like from experience right now, I haven't had 30 people buy it on one day. Mm. So it's like just easier for me to like package everything after and like ship it out and like less stress because I used to just like put them on the Etsy shop and then make them as they came in. Right. And then at one point it was like really stressful and I was making too many for like a certain day. Yeah. So this is just so much easier. I mean, it
0: sounds so much easier, at least for efficiency wise. How do you figure out which... Sense to make in that big batch that you're going to be creating?
1: So each launch, I have different scents. At one point I will be like having the same scents over and over, but I feel like just like experimenting with like different ones has been fun. Totally. So, so far I've had like 12 different scents that I've sold.
0: And what are your current scents that will be in this next drop? I'm going to have
1: lavender, blue
0: raspberry, and strawberry champagne. Amazing. Well, props to you for just kind of like making a business out of a random idea. I feel like you're, you seem like you're very good at that. And I try? seriously, the next one I want to talk to you about because you have so many cool things is <laughs> Kookie Apparel, which is a clothing brand. You have a clothing brand.
1: <laughs> yeah. Your
0: Instagram for Kooky Apparel is so professional, like just the most premium content I've ever seen. <laughs> and I genuinely mean that. So for everybody who doesn't know, what is Kooky Apparel? when did you start it why did you start it
1: yeah so cookie apparel is a right now it's only shirts and beanies if i'm not mistaken i don't think i have anything else um and it has five different like logos on it and essentially i wanted to start it because this was in the time where like every youtuber is making merch and i was not in the place to have merch no one would buy that um but i was like i don't I still don't want something to say my name on it. Like it's Amanda Wan. Like, I, I don't know. I don't like that for myself. I don't think it matches me. Much. So I was yeah. like, I want to make something that represents me, but it will also represent other people and they can wear it. So that's where Cookie Apparel came along. I started it when I was 18. It lasted for a year. Then I stopped it when I was 18. Oh my gosh. Yeah, I stopped that because the first, so basically I like my YouTube. I started it a second time, but the first time I did it, <laughs> I kind of went into it without, doing any research and like knowing anything and I was just like I'm gonna do like this and it's gonna work out Mm -hmm. it worked out for like a few months and then everything went downhill I was like I need to stop this because I don't know what I'm doing right so then I took a break for like two years and I restarted it actually it's gonna be I think a year or two I don't really know I feel like last year was way too long for me to remember anything so I don't remember if I started last year or the year before yeah time warp yeah Um, so maybe one or two years that I've had it now and there's five logos so There's one that's just an alien because I feel like aliens just represent like cool and different. And then there's a coffee one because as we spoke about before, I'm I'm obsessed with coffee. (laughs) And then there's one for self-love. There's one for um, LGBT plus. And then there is one for animal rights. So yeah, I just wanted something to represent me um, without saying anything about me right? so that other people can wear it and like relate to it. So that's where that started from I
0: love it so much and it's fun colors they're fun designs it's simple but also bold at the same time mm-hmm. it gives me drew house vibes I don't know if that was intentional oh, I love Justin Bieber yeah um, <laughs> right.
1: I mean yeah it's so funny because I literally have like a drew house bag like right hanging right there um Canada love, yeah, love um, it. yes yes yeah I don't I feel like when I started it, there was a lot of people doing like apparel with logos. So I kind of went off that because Drew House was not a thing then. Um, so I could say I did it before Justin Bieber.
0: Yes, you can. (laughs) Wait, that's so cool. Oh my God. I feel like you have probably have to have a lot of pride, like knowing that he's a Canadian. Oh yeah. Like
1: Justin Bieber is like my number one. Like I've gone to every concert. I've met him twice. Like Oh, you're so cute. Embarrassing. But my first like my Twitter account, I changed the name now to my name, but my Twitter account used to be a Just Mere fan account. And he mm-hmm. retweeted me, and that's how I have followers on there. But yeah, um, yeah. Just No
0: way. Oh my gosh. We love the fan account days. <laughs> so, yes. on the business end of kooky apparel, what, was that something that you just? kind of knew how to do or how did you know to start a business or where did you get your materials do you run it all by yourself like I'd love to hear a little bit more of like the back end
1: yeah so the first time obviously I didn't do research so the second time around (laughs) I did a lot of research and I just like figured everything out before I started it again right so cookie apparel print on demand which means that I don't have like inventory in my house it's more so like someone buys it Then I send it to the warehouse and they print it and then they send it to me and I send it to the person sounds like a lot of steps but it's really not that complicated I just like, I feel like having inventory really was like wasteful in a way because if I don't sell the stuff and especially because I wanted to be very inclusive and have more than just like small, medium, and large size. Um, so I feel like just having all those in my house would be way too much, especially because there's five logos and everything. So print on demand was the easiest option. Right. So yeah, I teamed up with a um, local Montreal printing warehouse company. So they print everything for me. Their name is, going to speak in French. Their name is Ton at T. Um That was so cool. So yeah, they're like um I'm a Montreal company. So they do all like my printing or embroidering or whatever I want to do. And then they basically bring it to me and then I'll package everything up and pay for expensive shipping again and ship it out to people.
0: Wow. And this is something that's still very active at the moment. Like I could go on and buy something right now. Yeah. Okay. Well then I probably will. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so, what was something that totally was surprising to you about the fashion industry? Like, you just did not expect.
1: Um, I think more so that it was hard to find different size clothing. So oh. I just assumed that everyone had like extra large, extra extra large. Like you know, like like I feel like a lot of it is not inclusive, which is really it really pisses me off a bit because totally. I don't know. I feel like in twenty twenty one or twenty twenty, or even like anytime it should be very inclusive and I am finding like apparel to print on that was in every single size was kind of hard to find at first I find I now I use Gildan um to print yeah, on they're um, awesome oh I love your dog <laughs> oh. <laughs> she just woke <laughs> up or something came out here <laughs> Hi, yeah so that was like the most I it wasn't that shocking because like you know like the fashion industry is very like Specific on what like people look like in it, but I just like assumed that like everyone would carry all these sizes, and they didn't. Mm -hmm. So that was like a big like wake up call to me, and I really wanted to be inclusive because I don't think like I wanted everyone to be able to go on my website and buy something. I didn't want people to go on and then want something and then not see their size because I feel like that's very like
0: like annoying. Absolutely, I've had very limited experience like production wise myself, but. I even remember doing a certain project once in college and they required us to pay extra for larger sizes. And I thought that was outrageous, absolutely outrageous. And it makes no sense. And you're right. It definitely needs to be more inclusive. What was your vision for the brand like when you created it at you know, your first round. Mm-hmm. And how do you think like it has evolved since then? Or where do you want it to continue to go in the future? Because obviously, you know, you wanted to make sweatshirts, beanies, etc., that, you know, could meet anybody where they're at, not just Amanda Wan, like, you know, tattooed yeah. on their forehead, but where would you like to see it go, you know, in the future, if it's something that you continue to pursue?
1: Yeah. I think it would be really cool to have it in like local shops um, like for example, in Montreal, there's a cafe that's called Leaves Cafe and it's a vegan cafe, and they also have an indoor shop with like a lot of local Montreal things. Wow. So I feel like that would be really cool because I don't personally want it to be like this full blown thing that like sells in all of these different stores. Cause I feel like I don't know. That's not I want it to be more like smaller. I don't know, like yeah, I don't feel like a lot of people say that, but I want it to be more like local.
0: I don't think there's anything wrong with staying small and local and proud to Montreal too. Yeah. I think that's so cool. And then people in your area know and love your apparel and you can feel so proud that, you know, yeah. you're using your platform to, to reach people. I think that's amazing.
1: Yeah. It's fun. Especially cause like a lot of my friends have bought like, um, sweatshirts and stuff so like when I see them whether I'm at work or like out with them and they're wearing it it's just like such a cool feeling
0: that was another thing I wanted to ask you your photo shoots and things that are mm-hmm. on your Instagram are those your friends were they professionally done
1: yeah so um I rented out a studio um <laughs> and those are my friends that are in it I wanted it to be my friends I didn't want to have like models per se just because I felt like it'd be more like fun to have my friends to do it totally. and a lot of them were down so I was like why not Um, so yeah, I rented a studio for it. Um, my boyfriend's a photographer and then I got one of my friends, friends that does photography too, to take the pictures. Um, but yeah, it wasn't like this full blown production. It was literally like a studio. I put like a pink backdrop and then another one was like a white wall and we just took those pictures.
0: I kind of love that like rawness though, like even more than going to, you know, doing something crazy with this crazy set and just Mm -hmm. using your friends as your models and your resources, I think that's amazing. So props <laughs> to you because genuinely like you're hyping me up because I want to go buy something right now. <laughs> <laughs> the last thing I wanted to ask you about, at least on your business end was kind of your freelancing. Cause I think that's mm-hmm. super cool. So you do freelance editing and is that strictly for YouTubers? Is that uh professional? What does that look like?
1: So right now it's, um, I do editing for YouTube and for podcasts. Um, I have two wow. clients right now. So one for YouTube and one for podcasting. Um, i don't know if i wanted to do like more professional just because with school and everything i feel like i wouldn't be able to like devote that much time for like professional editing right um so yeah right now i do youtube and podcasting just because i do it for myself so i already know how to do it and it's just like fun for me i personally like to edit more than i like to film really yeah (laughs) so it's it's fun and then you make money. So
0: exactly. What does your editing process look like for your client, at least on the YouTube end?
1: Yeah. So for YouTube, for example, one of my clients, um, she sends me her videos through Google drive and then Mm -hmm. I will download them on my computer. I do a turnaround time of like two to three days. It used to be one day, but that's a lot. No. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Um, I was always like stressed that I would stay up till like 3am doing it. And I was like, Hey, no, um, So now I do two to three day turnaround times and I edit everything on Final Cut Pro and then I export it and then I put it back in the Google Drive and then she gets it that way. She reviews it. If there's anything she wants me to change, I'll change it. If not, good to go.
0: I'm going to ask you about this in a second, but I just, Mm -hmm. I'm so impressed by your time (laughs) management skills. I cannot even emphasize that. I will edit a video for like, at least 15 hours at a time. And I'm just doing like my own stuff. You have like 14 <laughs> other things in the background and you're like, yeah, I'll throw on some freelance editing. Why not? Like, Very much yeah. envy your work ethic. And I think it's very admirable. Was that just sort of like a something that you wanted to do as a means of making money? Is that how you got into freelancing?
1: So I
0: do want to start like my
1: own like social media marketing agency in the future <laughs> Um, That's yeah, I so know. Cool. um, so I feel like getting experience in editing would be like really beneficial because for myself, I do want to do like, if I were to open this, I would want to do like social media management and video and podcast editing and then like any other tasks I would hire someone else for because I don't know how to do graphic design or like anything like that. So get, this is like for me to get experience, but also to make extra money on the side. Um,
0: Absolutely. I think that's something that can often be overlooked for people that even want to get into this space to begin with, because Mm -hmm. social media management is a really important thing. How do you think that like having a, a strong presence on Instagram or TikTok, or even just, you know, devoting time to edit your videos can help you as a creator?
1: Yeah, I think like having a consistent brand is really important and being consistent overall. And for myself, a lot of my, um, like my Instagram has more engagement than my YouTube right now. So I just like, cross promote a lot um, totally so like whenever I post something on YouTube I'll post it on Instagram and I'll post it on TikTok and Facebook and Twitter and I don't really like people used to tell me I'm annoying but at this point I don't care <laughs> right I mean you have to do what you have to do to get like your content out there and stuff and the people that call you annoying or think your are con- like everything that you're posting is annoying are also going to be the first people to run back to you once you start becoming something you know what I mean
0: totally. so at this
1: point just do what you got to do and do what makes you happy and whoever finds it annoying they don't like
0: really deserve a place in your life right and you know sometimes they're also the ones watching your videos like they're the ones supporting your content so a views Mm -hmm. of you and it's interesting that you mentioned that as well because I think that's something I get self-conscious about like am I promoting this thing too much like am I doing too Mm -hmm. many like across different platforms but I always see other people do that and that's how you have to promote yourself if you're you know, Amanda is a brand. It really is. So you have to mm-hmm. be just as consistent as a business would be. And yeah, it yeah. can feel like you're maybe being quote unquote annoying, but you're not like you're doing what you need to do to get your name out there and, and to be successful. I don't think there's anything wrong with that at all.
1: Yeah, me either. And I feel like also um, I promote a lot of my friends. Cause like, why not? Um, totally. And I feel like helping other people out while talking about yourself too, is just like, I mean, I feel like it's just normal. Absolutely. the people that I follow, I see everyone like talking about their own content and stuff. And I never find it personally annoying. It actually like sometimes people post something on their Instagram about their YouTube and I'm like, Oh, I didn't even know they had a YouTube channel. So then I would go check it out just because I feel like if I do it for other people, I'm sure other people do
0: it for me. Exactly. Or sometimes, you know, like notifications could be down. Like you couldn't get a Mm -hmm. YouTube subscription box. Like it wouldn't pop up for your newest video. And I would want to see it on your Instagram that you're promoting it. And Mm -hmm. if they want to unfollow, Obviously we've covered every single one of your incredible projects and I just need to pick your brain on how, just how on so many levels, mainly the organization of it all. Like what is your go-to planning? Like how do you approach so many things and not scream into a pillow, you know? (laughs) Yeah.
1: um, So I have three planners. I have like um, a physical planner, I have a Google calendar, and then I have like a bullet journal planner, which I don't use that much, but I should. Um, But yeah, I literally plan everything out. And honestly, I haven't always been good at time management. Um, Last year, right before quarantine happened, um, was my worst like time management part. And then when quarantine happened, I was like, oh my God, like I have so much time, I would do everything. And then I just reached a breaking point because I did not know how to organize, wanting to do everything I wanted to do. Right. So I just like really plan everything out. And I remind myself to also, as dumb as it sounds, like plan in time for me. Like I will literally write sometimes like Friday afternoon, like just do whatever you want. And then I'll follow that because I planned it out. Um, and I think it's just important to have like days that you don't work on school and you don't work on your businesses and you don't work on YouTube because- you just need time to like breathe. And as much like fun, it is to work on YouTube and stuff like that. I can't always be working. And it's not like, I'm not going to live like a fun life. Like, you know what I mean? Like it is fun, but I need time to like, just do nothing and like lay in bed if I want to, and like watch
0: YouTube or Netflix if I want to, and like not feel bad about it. Right. I don't think that's silly or bad in any way, shape or form. Planning in time for yourself sounds just, I don't know, like counterintuitive, but it, it makes so much sense because you can forget to prioritize Amanda time when Mm -hmm. you've got so many different things going on. So you said that you use like three different platforms to stay organized makes complete and total sense to me. Mm -hmm. How far ahead of things do you plan out for? Like just the week, just the day, the month. Um, usually I do a month, but obviously things can change.
1: Like for example, for my podcast, um, I planned out like a full month. Like I still, right now, my next interview that I'm doing is in like three weeks because I already pre recorded everything so that I wouldn't have to do that. I either plan for a week or I plan for a month. It depends how many things I have
0: going on then. That's so smart. And what about like the Instagram side of things? Cause I feel like that's where I struggle. Like I can get ahead on podcasts. I can get ahead on YouTube, but Instagram, you have to be on every single day, TikTok, every single day, you know, engaging, what is your usual like methods for that?
1: Yeah. So for Instagram, I'm having a little bit of trouble now just because creating content at home is hard and I like it to look a specific way. And if I'm not happy with something, I won't post it. Um, So yeah, I like, I'm more like I'm active on Instagram stories rather than in feed posts, just because I, I don't have like, a lot of content that I want to shoot at home. Like I'd rather be outside and stuff. And even in Montreal right now, it's literally freezing. So I don't even want to be taking pictures outside. So that's been like a really difficult thing that I'm still trying to navigate, how to create content during all of this because it's hard. And like where I am, like you're not really supposed to see people outside and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. And I don't want to break the rules and be irresponsible and like of course all this stuff. So it's just like, it's really difficult. So that I'm honestly still trying to figure it out.
0: Gosh. I, yeah, I mean, I can completely relate to you as well and I feel like I would get sick of like the exact same pose, the exact same lighting mm-hmm. in my exact same apartment. Like I- I'm even yeah. bored just looking at, you know, my same couch every single day. Like it gets tiring <laughs> after a while. So, yeah. yeah, coming up with content, I mean, as like pretentious as it can sound, can be quite difficult especially if it's something that you mm-hmm. do for a living. What sort of advice would you give to anybody who's looking to start maybe a business themselves either on the back end like more of the tax side of things or maybe just how to stay organized in running multiple side projects
1: so the first thing i want to say is to do your research for whatever you want to do just like before you jump into it know every single step that you have to take and everything behind it because like i said the first time i did my first business like that was like what i was missing so do your research also to keep everything on files so for like when you buy things to keep the receipts because then when you do your taxes, you can do it, um, what is it called? Like a business expense, expense report. Yeah, Yeah. exactly. So keep everything because I also did not do that at the beginning and trying to find my receipts after was not fun. So I have like um, a Google spreadsheet mm-hmm. um, for like my freelance, for YouTube, for my businesses all together. So then I can see like how much money I've made, how much um, money I put into it as a business expense. So then it's just like easier to track that. I started doing that last year because finding things at the end of the year when it's tax time is not Uh, fun and it's very stressful. So I would say to like keep a track record of
0: everything is super important. Amen. I mean, it's tax season right now, like, you know, getting prepped for it. Like, (laughs) this is kind of, yeah, it's a lot, but you're right. Being ahead of it or staying on track all year long, like even the end of every month, like you just do your little Excel sheet for mm-hmm. 30 minutes will save you probably hours or days you yes. know, every single year. So that's so yeah. beyond helpful. I lastly want to ask you about your podcast because you have an incredible podcast and that was how we first connected to begin with, which was mm-hmm. so cool. Your podcast is called Behind the Girl Boss. What is it all about?
1: Yeah. So Behind the Girl Boss is a kind of like business lifestyle podcast. I like to talk to may- like, only women because I want it to be like women. Focused podcast. Um, so I talk to some content creators, I talk to business owners. Um, I wanna get into like the acting world and talk to actors, but those people are a little bit harder to um get a hold of so I don't know how to do that yet but I feel like just like learning yeah like learning about different people's journeys and how they got to where they are today or like how they navigated certain difficulties and stuff I feel like that's super fun so yeah my podcast is like heavily based on like interviews that I've done
0: I find that so fascinating because I mean I even feel selfish saying it but it feels like I started a podcast on my own to be able to like talk about things that I wanted to maybe dive into that. I couldn't in a YouTube video or just be a little bit more authentic, Mm -hmm. but it feels like you started a podcast centered around others, which is so neat. So do you ever do episodes just on Amanda or is it always interview based?
1: Yes, I do do like a couple episodes on myself. Um, I've done, I think like five of them only. I do want to do more, but I feel like I just have more fun talking to other people. And I don't know, Because, like, when I was younger, I've always, like, said, like, I want to be, like, um, an interviewer on, like, a red carpet one day. And I feel like this is, like, me living out that dream, but not on a red carpet. Yeah. Um, So, yeah, I I enjoy, like, talking to other people more than talking about myself. Because I feel like on my YouTube, I do a lot of that. So I feel like it's just, like, a different experience.
0: Absolutely. Well, and I mean, I think you're serving a really great audience base that gets to learn about creators that they maybe wouldn't have known about otherwise. Yeah. You're sharing lots of inspiration and then you get to connect with some really, really cool people. I mean, you've had some mm-hmm. ac- crazy cool interviews.
1: Yes, yeah. I mean, some people I've had on the podcast, like I didn't even think I would ever have on the podcast and I just like shot my shot and it worked. Right. Um, and it's just like cool to like speak to people that like you watch on a daily ba- not daily, like a weekly basis and like yeah. be able to really like get to the- know them more than what you just see on their YouTube. Who were some of your favorite guests that you've had? so far so I have a lot but my top three right now um obviously you but other than <laughs> you don't top have to three, say that <laughs> I met cool people <laughs> um obviously Remy Ashton because I don't even know how I still like manifested and got that but Remy Ashton was really cool because I've been watching her since like the beginning and I've seen her whole like evolution and stuff and to be able to like sit down and talk to her and like she's like a really really big creator and she made me feel as if like I wasn't this like random small person that like she has no idea who like I am like she really made me feel like I was like there and she was there with me yeah she was really fun um I like to speaking to Natalie Barbu just because I've been following her also for a while and she's very smart like YouTube and business wise so was fun to pick her brain totally and then taylor king um who is alicia marie's um assistant or producer i don't really know what her job title is yeah um but i actually connected with her on instagram when she was at like 9k or something and we built like a friendship through there and now she's at like 100k so it was really fun to like be able to see her evolution too so yeah that's been my
0: favorite one so far that's so cool even just across the board like that's so incredible that you kind of just shoot, shot your shoot, shoot your shot. Shot my shot. (laughs) You just shot your shot. Exactly. You just went for it. And I think sometimes even the intimidation factor would stop people from even reaching out or sending Mm -hmm. a tweet in your case and just manifesting uh, recording with Remy. Yeah, I mean, obviously, there's people that haven't answered me, um, which is
1: totally normal. Like, sometimes I shot a little too high, probably. But there's also people that have answered me, and I wish they didn't answer me. They were, like, there was this one person that answered me, and they were, like, yeah, like, we can get back to you when you, like, are bigger. And, like, those type of people just turn me off. Like, I'd rather, like, not, like, hear anything than, like, someone say it that way. Because then it just goes to show that, yeah, that person only cares about the numbers and, like, rather than, like, the conversation. Because I thought with that person we would have had a really good conversation and we could have really related well and that's like what I got out of that so like even if like my podcast did blow up like I don't think I would want to message them again just because I don't know that like kind of response just turns me off in a way but yeah shoot your shot the worst thing people can say is no or not answer you
0: totally and that's that I don't know why that just bothered me so much that people would respond like that also mm-hmm. podcast downloads or listens are not public information. So like, what are they basing yeah. that off of your Instagram following? Maybe that is so, it's such an inaccurate representation of your mm-hmm. podcast. And like you said, like that shouldn't even be a concern.
1: I'm yeah. Angry. Yeah. So now it just turned me off. And like, I don't even want to, like, I still watch this person's content, but like, you know, like when you sit there and you're like, you still said this to me, like, you know what I mean?
0: Yep. Yeah. And it gives you like a a bad taste in your mouth for sure. Yeah. Cause maybe you, you know what their intentions are. Um, Mm -hmm. Speaking of Instagram, I think that you have a very, very good Instagram feed, especially for behind the girl boss. And I mean, you even do really interactive things like having your guests take over the Instagram page. Like I just Mm -hmm. did this past week, which is such a fun and cool thing to do so out of my comfort zone, but it was so neat to see like (laughs) people, you know, from, um, that follow me and then that follow you, like getting to interact. I thought that was amazing. So how do you think that this has helped you in growing your podcast? And then also kind of connecting with your audience just beyond the episodes.
1: Podcasting is not like YouTube where like someone can comment under the video and like talk about what they saw in the video or anything like that so I feel like having an Instagram has made people like go from the podcast episode to Instagram and like be able to interact in that way right and also with the takeovers I've gotten a lot of feedback on that and it's been good just because people like listen to the episode and the next day they actually get to see like the person yeah whether they already knew who they were or they didn't know who they were and be like being able to really see another side of that person and interact with them has been really cool um obviously not everyone wants to do a takeover, which is fine, or people don't have the time to do it, whatever it may be. But it's like, yeah, it's been really fun. And it's helped me grow it in a way that Their audience will come to the podcast and find out about the podcast that way. Or I follow a lot of other podcasters' Instagrams and like we've made groups together and we do like Zoom calls and stuff. So it's been like a really fun community and everything. So cute. I can definitely
0: add you to a Zoom call one day. (laughs) But yeah. Fine. What is like a very, um, advantageous part of working with other podcast creators that you found I think just like bouncing ideas off each other or if
1: we're facing like a difficulty or we don't understand how to navigate something having like that community to go back to and like find out things because some of these people have told me things that I didn't even know about podcasts and like I've told people things that they didn't know so I feel like just having like a community to go to when whether like you want to shout out ideas at each other or brainstorm things or like ask if they think this will be beneficial or anything it's been a good time absolutely do
0: you have any advice for people maybe wanting to start a podcast themselves
1: um I would say to just do it and you don't need a high tech microphone to start I literally started recording on like my mac um microphone on the computer on voice memos and that's how I started out no way so you Don't. yeah you don't need anything that's high tech obviously now I have like a better microphone but that was after doing it for a while right um and also some people think like oh I shouldn't start one because like I'm not a influencer I'm not like anyone but I feel like everyone has like a different story to share and everyone's unique and I can learn from literally anyone whether you're an influencer or not like that doesn't matter to me so I feel like everyone has something to share
0: and to like not shy away from that no I completely agree and it's a very I feel like easy thing to maybe get into because it feels less intimidating than filming yourself, editing yourself, you know, sitting down and like editing a video, mm-hmm. you know, like you would on YouTube. Yeah. And some people don't even edit their podcasts. They can not say the ums and the,
1: uh, yeah. like I do, yeah. but
0: yeah, you can just sit down and, and upload, which I think is really cool too. Just for mm-hmm. the, um, audience's curiosity, what microphone do you use now? Um, right now I have a blue Yeti microphone. Um, do you have any future dream guests for your podcast?
1: Yeah, so the two ones that, like, I don't know when they'll come on or if I'll get them on or whatever, but my dream guests right now are Claudia Slewski and Shay Mitchell.
0: So cool.
1: Yeah, Shay Shay Mitchell, like... Is she Canadian? Yeah, she's from Toronto, I think. Toronto or Vancouver? I'm pretty sure it's Toronto. Yeah. Um, Yeah, she's Canadian. She's also really big (laughs) so I don't know
0: she's huge she doesn't know I
1: exist right now but
0: but she will I would
1: definitely yeah I would like I don't even know how that would go like I think I'd like I don't know how I would calm myself down like off my nerves before like recording that because wow yeah
0: she's somebody that I think is really admirable too because in a weird way she like in some people's eyes took a step down from let's say Hollywood and Mm -hmm. came into a creator space. And I feel like many of her colleagues, I think that's, this is what she had said kind of were confused. Like, why would you go Mm -hmm. be a YouTuber? What in the heck are you doing? But she has such cool content and she makes such beautiful videos. And I mean, I think that she's probably doing better than if she would have stayed on television in my opinion.
1: Yeah. And I feel like because she posts almost weekly, for the people that follow her and their audience, they get to see more than just like a TV show that airs for like, what, three, four years and then it's gone. Like, yeah. you know what I
0: mean? And that's a character. You know, we're getting to know Shay now, which is so cool. Yeah. I yes. remember the cute like, video that she posted when she was pregnant. She was like dancing around her house or something. Yes. I don't remember what song she was dancing to, but it was
1: I, really cute. I, I'm pretty sure it's called like the baby mama song.
0: Yes. <laughs> that was yes. so cute. And also Claudia, we didn't mention her, but she's awesome. Mm-hmm. I think. She's so admirable and I've always looked up to her and not that I still don't, but I realized she's my age, which makes me feel so unaccomplished, but I always thought she was like 28 because she's so mature. How old is she? She's like 23. I think she's about to be 25, which I'm 24, but yeah. Okay. I'm 22,
1: but still like when I look at people my age, sometimes I know I shouldn't compare myself to them, but sometimes I'm like, these people are like so far in life and I feel like I'm not, but- that's okay.
0: (laughs) Yeah. And you know, I saw actually on the comments of Claudia's TikTok the other day, she posted like a funny, just like mocking voiceover sort of thing. Like, you know, she doesn't want to admit that she's turning 25 in a few weeks. Mm -hmm. And some of the comments were saying like, I don't want to live in a world where 25 is old, which is so true because I will get like just self-conscious of the same thing. Like I'm not that accomplished. Like I'm 24, blah, blah, blah. Like. You know, especially even living in a quarantine world right now, it's hard to feel yeah. that you can't live out all of these dreams. But 25, that's so young. Like, if, you know, you yeah. think about the grand scheme of things, but we live in a world where if you're not like 18, then you're old, like you're a grandma, like, yeah. you know, on TikTok or something. Yeah. But yes, that's so not true. And I, it helped me realize like it's okay, you know, like there's nothing mm-hmm. wrong with just embracing your age and embracing your 20s. So, Yeah. Maybe a a piece of advice too. (laughs) Yes. Uh, I just wanted to lastly ask you about a really funny video that I watched on your channel, Mm -hmm. which was going to Kylie Jenner's 18th birthday party. (laughs) Yes. I, I was so shocked when I saw the title, like the thumbnail, of course. And I I mean, it wasn't clickbait by any means, but I was so confused, but Mm -hmm. (laughs) can you just like quickly sum up this story? Because I'm
1: so intrigued. So first of all, I'm very embarrassed you watched that video because no. it is one of the most embarrassing videos. But I'm like, it's also fun and funny. I thought, it was and cute. I know like half of the music got muted or something, but it's up there. Um, but yeah, so um, in Montreal, the legal drinking age is 18. I was 17. I was like, I need to go to Kylie Jenner's birthday. Like she's having a birthday party in Montreal. Like how can I not go? Yeah. So I bought tickets even though I was 17. Um, risky and. <laughs> Yeah. And, um, we got there and they started scanning people's IDs and I was like, oh my God, like, I'm not going to get in. Like they were going to scan my ID. And right now I look young. Like imagine what I looked like when I was 17, I looked like I was like 14. Um, so I got to the guy, he literally patted me down to like, check if I had like any illegal stuff and I was like, Hey, go. And I was like, oh my God. So I got in, they didn't he didn't scan. It. No, nothing, nothing. So I was like, oh my God, this is so cool so basically beach club in montreal is like a beach and a club wow. in one um it's a really cool concept but it's also really dangerous because people are drinking and there's a beach but that's another story there's people that have like drowned in there wow. and stuff but oh my gosh yeah scary um but yeah so then she ended up coming on a helicopter to the beach very extra she came out Um, of the helicopter and then everyone was there waiting for her there was like a vip section and then there was like a regular people section i was in the regular people um and then she was just there and she was like walked into the crowd and then we sang her happy birthday and she had a big cake and then she took the cake and threw it in the crowd (laughs) and um to this day if you go to keeping up with the Kardashians, I don't know which episode it is, but I spotted myself in there somewhere, no. so I can say that I was yeah, it was so embarrassing.
0: <laughs> so there was a film crew there too.
1: yeah, they were filming her eighteenth birthday and like they showed the crowd and I like my phone case was like this bright orange or pink, so I literally was able to spot myself right away. um so that was really it was, it was interesting. I thought I wasn't going to get in and then I ended up getting in. That is
0: so cool. And I don't really know what I was expecting when I saw the video, (laughs) but I mean, she really was just like at the club. Like anybody could have attended, I'm assuming of legal age or not, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, you just (laughs) had to be at the club. You didn't have to like get any sort of permission. You just went in. Exactly. That would never happen in this, like with her platform now, I feel like. Oh no, no, no. Like
1: it was crazy, and I mean, I think it was like a really good experience, and it was fun. And I was with my friends, and it was a lot of adrenaline, especially before going getting in because I didn't know. Of if course. I was get in, um, but yeah, it was really fun. And like to say that I went to Kylie Jenner's 18th birthday. That's party,
0: so like, cool. And you were close yeah. to her. It wasn't like she was just, you know, oh, I heard she's there. Like she's getting out of her car. Like you're filming right as she's leaving her car yeah. and whatnot. It was yes. so so cute. I mean, I'm sincerely jealous. I think the Kardashians are like a really great. I don't know, like they're obviously kind of like a uh, controversial family in some respects, but I think mm-hmm. that they've done some incredible things, like especially with social media and their followings. I think it's pretty yeah. darn cool, but I love that she came to Canada. I love that you were able to go to her Montreal beach club party. That's so cool. Yes. Um, <laughs> thank you so much again for coming to talk on the twisty podcast. Like I have mentioned to you and to the listeners, I'm not a great interviewer. So thank you for your patience with me. <laughs> no, it was really good. <laughs> Is there anything else that you want to say right before we leave or is there any things that you like to plug as well all of your information i'll leave in the episode description but anything that you want to say as your your final words to the listeners
1: um i guess i would just say with whatever you do to just like be your true authentic self and never try and change yourself for anyone or to be like anyone because at the end of the day like the best version of you is the real you so that's what i have to say about that and i guess if you want if you want to find my stuff you can um what are even my things yeah i have instagram youtube um is it's amanda wan and then my podcast is behind the girl boss and then my businesses are wan candles and cookie of
0: course if you want to listen to her podcast stream anywhere podcasts could be streamed <laughs> thank you so much amanda thank you so much everybody for listening hope you have a great rest of your day and we'll talk to you in the next one bye bye